and amen. And amen. And amen. I'm no longer slave to fear. Why? Because I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, honey. You betcha. Jim, pray, bud, please. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Title of the message is The Fear of Men. Hmm, interesting. You know, the last couple of weeks we've been kind of looking at this idea of fear. Uh, three or four weeks ago is fear God. Then it was fear not. And then last week, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then this week we're going to look at uh, the fear of men. Because I believe it affects every one of us. And how we live out our lives, how we flesh out our lives, how we, how we uh, uh, proclaim the gospel, how we whatever. I mean, it, it is a real, a real thing, the fear of men. So that's what we're going to look at today. I've, I've, I've got a uh, definition of the fear of man, Dirk, I think is going to put that up there. And I believe uh, it can be defined as someone who lacks the courage to do difficult, dangerous, or unpleasant things. Someone who fears others, shies away from uneasy situations, doing whatever they can to save their own skin, being afraid of someone, what someone might say or do. I just kind of added that one there at the end. That's not up there. Okay. I get to do that, of course. <laughs> the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25, which would be our foundation verse today, I guess you might say. It says this, the fear of man brings a snare. He who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. The fear of man brings a snare or a trap. You know, for all the great hunters out there, and McCamus I know is probably the top of the list back there. I know he uses snares in order to trap his wild animals, okay? Fishermen use a snare or a trap to trap fish so they'll get more fish. Satan, our enemy, uses a snare to trap all of us. And one of the things he uses is the fear of man. Jeremiah 5.26 says it this way, and it's so true. The wicked men are found among my people, Jeremiah says. They watch like fowlers lying in wait. They set a trap. They catch men. 
There's evil men out there who wants to trap us to bring us as Christians down. One of the snares that the enemy uses is this idea of the fear of man. What would somebody say? What would somebody do if I took a stand for the Lord? If, if I was to speak a word to somebody, what would, what would the reaction be from, from them? And, and when we begin to think like that and, and, and we stop short of what we know that we should be doing because we have this fear of man. No one likes to be rejected, okay? Nobody likes to be criticized. Nobody likes to be talked about. But it's going to happen when we take a stand for the Lord. And if we don't take that stand because we have a fear of what somebody might say, that is the snare or the trap of the enemy to keep us quiet. Jesus knew all about that. Did you know that? He knew, he knew all about that. I mean, he knew what was going to happen when he left. And, he, and we see in Luke 12, 4 and 5, he addresses that kind of an issue. And he's talking to the disciples and he says, My friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But it says, But I will warn you on who to fear. Fear the one who has the ability or has killed and has authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And what was Jesus telling them? Don't fear people. Don't be afraid of what somebody can do to kill the body or to abuse you or to criticize you or to judge you. That's only temporary, he would say. But you need to fear the one who has the authority to have your eternity in his hands. Because that is the most important thing. People come and people go. Judgment comes and criticism comes. Don't fear them, Jesus says. Fear the one who has control over your eternity. And we talked about, have we not, in the past. We talked about that fear of God that says, I will submit my life and I will have holy, holy reverence for who he is. That's part of the fear of the Lord. To understand who he is. And have that reverence and have that awe and that respect and that honor and give him glory and he is worthy of all praise. And we are called as Christians to do that, to hallow his name, if you would. And that's, that's the good part of that. But then we also see the other part of that fear of the Lord is what the Lord could do. That the Lord really does see, the really do, Lord really does know and we read last week that, that he knows when we get up and when we sit down. He knows the path in life that we take. He knows the words we're going to speak before we ever speak them. And the Bible says he is watching and he is evaluating what we do and how we live our lives. And he's taking notes, the Bible tells us, and one day, one day we will have to give an account, even as Christians, of the things that we have said and the things that we do. At the judgment seat of Christ. You see, that's kind of a fear. It's kind of like, boy, I better drive the speed limit so the cops won't catch me. I better live the Christian life because God is seeing and evaluating all that I do. 
You see, Jesus knew that when he left, his disciples would be beaten, would be flogged, would be imprisoned. One would be boiled in hot oil. They would be crucified. They would be stabbed. They would be speared through. And he knew that, that, that this was going to be a hard time for those disciples. And he knew that, that, that suffering would come at, at some point in their life. And, and trials and tribulations would come in their life. And he says, don't fear those who can kill you. He says, you know, the sufferings that you have are only temporary, he would tell the disciples. It's only for a very short period of time. And, and, and the glory, the glory that you will receive one day when you remain strong in your faith does not even compare to the rejection of men that you might face. Romans eight eighteen says what? It says what? It says, for I consider the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that he has revealed to us. You see, Jesus was telling those disciples, he's telling us, what you deal with down here is only for a short time. But the heavens, the glories of heaven are all worth it when man and man rejects you. Stay strong, he would say, in your faith. You know, as you read through God's word, there are many, many godly men, really strong disciples, that struggle with this idea of fear of man, what man could say or do to them. And these were strong, strong, godly men, and yet they struggle with that. The first guy I thought of as I was preparing was the guy named Peter. Peter was... Peter's the rock. <laughs> I mean, he's the rock. <laughs> and yet, on that fateful night when Jesus is being led away to see the high priest and Pontius Pilate and to experience the cross, we know what Peter did. Peter followed way behind. And, and, and in that courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest, we know what Peter did. Aren't you one of them, he was asked by the little servant girl. Nah, I don't know who you're talking about. He did that three times in that courtyard, denying knowing even who Jesus was. And why would he do that? Why would, why, why would he do that? Because you see, he was afraid of what they might do to him. That they might lock him up. That they might put him on a cross. They might take his life. And because he was afraid of what men could do to him, he denies Christ. He denies even knowing Christ. You see, he had the fear of men, of what man could do to him. A little while later, we read that Peter also struggled this in another area. Peter had sat down for dinner. And God had already expressed to him and told him that, Peter, Peter, you are to sit with Gentiles also. You are to sit with people that are different than you. And you are to enjoy food and the fellowship and be, and be because they are all part of the, the kingdom of God. And yet here's Peter sitting down for a fellowship meal and he refused to sit with the Gentiles knowing what God had already told him. Why would he do that? 
He knew what God had said. He knew. And yet he refused to do what God had told him to do. Why? Because he was afraid of what his Jewish friends would say and do to him. They, he was afraid that they would criticize him. They would make fun of him. They would, they would ostracize him and reject him. Maybe even lose their friendship. And you see, at that point in his life, the fear of men became more powerful than the fear of God. And he knew God's promises. And yet he feared what man would do instead of fear what God had said. We are not to worry so much about what men can do to us. We are to worry what God thinks about us. Now the guy in the in the Old Testament that I thought of, and his name was Joshua. We just read from Joshua here. Joshua was a guy that God said, I, you are following Big Mo, Moses. You are next in charge. Moses is dead, and guess what, Josh? Your job is to lead those people into the promised land. Those six million people, your job to do that. And Joshua had seen all the, the struggles that those folks had given Moses. And, and now he is, he is the man. He is in charge. And, and Joshua struggled with that. He struggled with that leadership and that responsibility. He struggled with taking those guys across the Jordan River into the promised land. Because he, he wasn't a very strong kind of a guy. You would think he would have been. Leader of the army before, during Moses' time. He was a guy in charge of, of, of war, if you would. And yet he struggled with that. Three times in the first chapter, the first nine verses of, of chapter one of the book of Joshua, God tells him, Joshua, buddy, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Don't be timid and don't be trembling. and don't be in dismay, Joshua. Because I will not fail you nor forsake you. I will never leave you, Joshua. I am here for you, Joshua. Three times he had to tell him that. Why did he have to tell him that? Because Joshua was afraid of what man could do to him. Instead of putting his complete faith and his complete trust in holy God who was speaking to him and encouraging him, all he could see what somebody else could do to him. And he, and he had more worries about them than obeying holy God. I think sometimes we do the very same thing. <laughs> we know his promises, but <laughs> another one I want to just quickly will, and this is not so much a positive one. Back in the, back in the book of Acts, we come up with a husband and wife team, <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira, husband and wife. They were members of the early church upstanding members of the early church. Many of the church members began to uh, sell some of their unneeded properties, the Bible tells us. And they would sell their, their possessions or their properties and they would bring them to the church and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would take that and they would, they would uh, uh, distribute the money out to the poor. 
Okay. A, a very noble gesture, if you would. Well, Ananias and Sapphira, you know what they did. They took some of the land that they had and sold it, brought a part, partial part of what they sold it for and laid it at the disciples' feet and said, here is, here is our offering for the poor. Peter asked them, I said, uh, is, is that what, what you sold the land for? Yeah, 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 you bet. You bet that's what we sold it for, yeah. Ananias was asked first. Yeah, you, that's what we sold it for. Uh, a few hours later, the wife comes in and said, what did you sell the land for? Is that what you sold? Yeah, that's what we sold it for. And yet they had hold, held some of it back for themselves. The Bible says they lied to the Spirit of God. And we know what happened to them, don't we? They instantly, instantly their lives were taken from them. And they were buried What's the issue at that story? Was the issue as because of the, the price of the land? No. Was the issue uh, that they lied about it? Yes. Was the issue that they uh, uh, feared man? Yeah. Was the issue that they feared God more? No. You see, what was their problem? It, it, it wasn't so much that they didn't give the whole, the whole offering. But it's just like you and me. We have three images that we want to be recognized by. You see, we, we want to have a perceived image. And that's how you, people perceive you. What do people think about you? How do they perceive you? They perceive you as a good guy, bad guy, good, good woman. We have that perception out there. And then we have what's known as the projected image. The image that we want to project so that somebody else will perceive us as being really good people. And we want to project that image and we want people to see that image. And we project that image so that people will perceive us as being somebody. And then there's a the third image. And that third image is our actual image. And that's how God sees us. That's how God sees us. You see, Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to be recognized. They wanted people to see who they were. They wanted people to think that they were big givers in the church. They wanted to be looked up to and they wanted to be affirmed that, that, that wow, you gave that much? And they wanted that recognition and they wanted people to, to just... Uh, uh, draw all over them. And yet God knew, their, knew who they were. God knew their heart. He knew their actual image. He knew who they were. You see, we got to be careful about that, don't we? Because you see, Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted the glory of man. And they forgot about the fear of the Lord and being obedient to him. We must not be that way. For Peter, for Peter, he was afraid of what men would say. He was afraid that they would be criticizing him, make fun of him, lose friendships. Maybe they wouldn't like him anymore. 
I suggest to you maybe we're like that many times in our own life. That when push comes to shove, when we have to project an image, we project an image of somebody who we're really not. And that's what Peter was doing. He projected that image. And how many times do we do that in our own lives? How many times do we just compromise just a little bit? We compromise at work. Yeah, that was, a, that was not a very nice joke, but I'm going to laugh at it anyway. I want to be a part of the group. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, I, this, this is what I heard. This is what I heard about him. And instead of shutting our mouths, we continue to, to talk about what's going on. And we compromise our faith because we want people to like us. We want people to say, yeah, come on and join the crowd. And we compromise our faith and, and we do it at work and, and we do it at school. Young people go to school and they go to church on Sunday and on Monday, you know, they, nobody knows they've ever been to church. Because they're afraid of what somebody would say. They're afraid of man or what men can do to them. And it's a big issue in, in people's lives. And we know the truth, and yet we don't stand on the truth. Because we fear what somebody might do and what somebody might say. Maybe not so much physically, but psychologically. Will I be accepted? I don't know. You think of Ananias and Sapphira. God, actually, God knew their actual image that they were projected. And they thought it's okay to, to disregard what God has said. It's okay just to go about our own business. Nobody will ever know. You ever thought about that one? You go on some business trip. Nobody will ever know. And yet God knows. God knows. And he sees and he hears and he's near. For Joshua, he was afraid what man could do to him. Joshua is not much different than us. We know his promises, don't we? We know what God's word has said over and over and over. We know what he said. We know what he's commanded. We know it. We know it. You've heard it from here. You've read your word. You've had heard teachers teach. You know exactly what he has said. And yet what? The fear of man is stronger in our lives than the fear of God. He feared more what they could do to him as opposed to what God wanted to do through him. You see, he, he decided that he could not stand on the promises of God or trust in the promises of God. And I suggest to you, you and me, I'm not pointing fingers, we all do the very same thing. We absolutely know what God has said. What he's told us to do, what his commandments are, not his suggestions, but his commandments. We know them. And yet because we back away, because we compromise our faith, because we don't want anybody to know that we really are one of them Christian Jesus followers, we remain silent because of what men could do to us. You know, we live in a world today that, that uh, it's getting more and more like that. 
where people don't want to take a stand. We, we're, we're beginning to see churches, are we not, in denominations that are pulling away from God's word and what God has said. We're living in a world where the culture is now changing the gospel as opposed to the gospel changing the culture. We have churches, denominations that, that uh, profess to be more tolerant, politically correct, enlightened, if you would. And all they have done is moved away from the fear of the Lord to the fear of man. Because you see, they want to have a bigger congregation and if they water down the gospel, if they don't talk about, talk about sin, they don't talk about uh, pending judgment for unbelievers, if they just talk about the goodness of God and the love of God, it'll bring them all in. Because you see, they're afraid of what men would do if they don't. That's the kind of society that we're living in. But you know, the Bible says that's what it's going to be like in the end times. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says it this way. For the time will come when they do not endure sound doctrine. Boy, that's for sure. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Boy, that's the world we're living in, isn't it? I, 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 can, I can promise you that I will continue to preach on sin. I will continue to preach on the goodness of God. I will continue to preach on how much God loves you and me. And continue to preach on that Jesus came to die for every person on the face of the earth. So they might have eternity. I mean, we might be down to four or five. <laughs> that's what we're going to do here. As long as I'm here. If I ever deviate from that, you let me know. I've got to be faithful to what God has called us to do. You know, there is some good news there, though, in all of this. You look at Peter, big-time failure, at least on two occasions, big time. Probably more than that. But you know what? You know what? God still loved him. God still used him. And what, what God did with Peter and he will do with you and I when we fail... He will pick us up and he will take our weakness and our faults and our liabilities. And he can change that into somebody that has a steel rod for a backbone. And that's exactly what he did to Peter. Peter, you need to shut your mouth and quit preaching, they told him. Peter, shut up. Peter, Peter, shut up. Or we're going to beat you half to death. I must obey God rather than men, Peter replied. Where did that backbone come from? It come from God as he strengthened him, taking his faults and making them his strengths. You see, we can do that through the power of God. Joshua overcame his fear of what men could do. And God made him a great, great leader who took the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land that he, God, had promised all them folks. And God used him in a mighty, mighty way. He took his timidness and his fear and gave him a backbone of iron.
to be able to do what God had called him to do. He'll do the very same thing to you and I if you just let him. What do we learn from Ananias and Sapphira? It's more important to fear God than to fear man. Not vice versa, not in reverse order. We must fear God. Holy reverence, respect, honor, praise. Fear of what he could do. Ananias couldn't do that. The fear of man was more powerful than the fear of God in their lives. We must not ever be that way. You know, you think through history and you read stories in, in the Bible and others that, that millions, I'm going to use the word millions, have died for the cause, have died, given their life as martyrs for the cause. And how much easier it would have been for them at that point, at that moment, and in, in that, that stressful time in their life, all they needed to do was that. Not say it, not believe it, not stand on it, not trust in God's word, just to keep your mouth shut. And most likely they would never have been martyred at that point. But you see, they feared God more than they feared man. And they're willing to give their lives up because they knew that, that what they were going fixing to experience was only temporary. And then in, in the moment, they would understand that the suffering they're going through right now does not even begin to compare the glories when they stepped into heaven. To be able to stand face to face with Jesus. To look upon the throne of God as he sits there. And to see the beauty that we can't even imagine. You see, when we get out in this world, we leave this building, are we going to give in to the fear of man? What, what will they say? What will they think? Will they judge me? Will I lose their friendship? Or are we going to want to fear the Lord and do what he's called us to do and stand strong? Because there's a day coming, I believe, in this world that we really will have to make that choice. Do you fear God? Do you believe him? Do you trust him? And if you do, you can go meet him because we're going to take your life. We see it in other countries. I'm afraid it's coming here. We've got to be strong. Do we fear men? Or do we fear God? Satan really will try to snare you and trap you and take your joy and your, 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 joy and your happiness from you. As he says, you've got to do what men want you to do. <laughs> and as believers and strong believers, we go, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, talk to the hand, buddy. I'm going to do, I'm going to fear my Lord. Because he is the one I trust. He is the one I put my faith in. He is the one that's promised me eternity in a place called heaven. And I will never, ever, ever turn my back on him. Romans 8.31 kind of sums it up, I believe, and then I'm done. And then shall we say these things, the great part, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. He is the great <laughs> equalizer of all things. As we begin our, our time of invitation, 
I just want to encourage you just for a minute. Just as Christians, we've been called to be different. Did you know that? Second Corinthians five seventeen. We are a new creation. The Bible says, as believers and followers of Christ, just as I am, we have to live differently. We have to stand differently. We have a book of promises that we are to stand on and trust in. I want to encourage you when when you are at work and something is said and something is done and you know that's not right that you take a stand right there because you fear God when you're at school somebody says something well you're one of them Christians yeah I am and I'm proud of it because Jesus saved me for an eternity when you're out with family or friends and, and they're going to do things that you, you know are not right they're going to tell that joke that's not funny are you going to laugh about that joke even though you know it's completely off the wall? Christians, we are called to be different. We are called to be obedient to Him. We are sanctified, set apart to serve Him, not to serve mankind. And if somebody says something, somebody does something, somebody criticizes you. The sufferings of this present age are not worth be considered for what God has done for us one of these days. We bow our heads and we begin our imitation time. If the fear of man is a big deal to you, if you struggle with that, man, I would just confess that to him right now. Confess that to him. Say, God, I, I, that's me. Father, give me a backbone of rawness, a wrought iron backbone to speak and to be bold and be confident. But I want to be different. I want to make a difference in this world. The only way I can do it is to stand for you no matter what. I don't have the fear of you, God, like I should. I don't understand how rare it is. Respect and all that kind of stuff. God, show me. Let the Lord do business with you.
have accepted you as Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray we can be strong and bold in the way we deal with others and not be afraid of what they could do to us, God. We always have an awesome reverence for you, a strong desire to be obedient to you and not worry what they can do to us worry about who you are and our desire to be obedient to you. So God, we thank you for that. We we pray for that. God, I pray that we will have a life that makes a difference in this old world. That we can make a difference at least in one life, God, just in one. For the kingdom, God. Father, we thank you for that. Father, give us the fear of the Lord and reject the fear of man.